Thanks to Garrison Price for February 6th, 2024. We're coming to you from the Go-Go Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee here at the iconic Wall Center, downtown Vancouver. And if you're thinking of a staycation with a game, if you're thinking of Valentine's Day, call the wall. Request the Sakarison Price rate. It's back. Some blackout dates apply. 604-331-1000. Matt Sakaris alongside Blake Price, Grace Asset and Switches conducting things alongside intern Madison Buckingham. And we got a big show coming up for you. Mm-hmm. It's brought to you by Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Nissan in Langley in particular in the 2023 Rogues are still around with a 24-month lease. 0% on selected trims. Yeah. 0%. Go check it out. Applewood Nissan in Langley. It's all good at Applewood. Full question today. Do you want the Canucks to spend the assets for another all-in trade? And as always with our poll questions... We invite you to define all-in as you see fit. For example, on Friday, we talked about the asking price of Chris Tanev, a second-round pick and a prospect. Well, to me, Tanev is a player of the stature, and the return is such that that would qualify as an all-in trade. If we're talking about, like, a fifth-round pick for Nick Sealer, I'm not sure that's, no, a, that's not an all-in no, trade. No. So define it how you see fit. You can vote yes or no at Sakarison Price on Twitter and YouTube. What says you, Price? Uh, another all-in, another big swing here? I mean, the devil is in the details, So, but I'll try to avoid a qualified answer here. I'll say yes. I think there's a path to make an all-in trade without sacrificing the future too gravely so that would be the challenge is trying to make sure you still got the young players who need to populate this roster over the next two to three seasons when they start to get some cap hits that really hurt them so if you can find that narrow path where you haven't sacrificed too much of the immediate future where they're going to need some of that young help then yeah you do it so when you say the future do you mean tom wielander and jonathan Lacrimaki, like is is that the entirety of the future as you see it? I wouldn't spend, future first round picks. I guess would be on that. I wouldn't spend uh, those two guys uh, for a guy with no term. For a guy with term, mm-hmm. I could be convinced. Okay, um, but I'm just saying, like you know, the guys guys like Pod Colson. I, I think you want. I think Pod Colson's on this roster next season. Mm-hmm. You know, all things being equal, so. Boy, you you better be pretty convinced that this rental is worth it. And like Pod Colson. Wouldn't be for a guy with term. That would be a rental price for to trade away a guy like Pat Colson. But you know he's leading the well, AHL team in goals. Like he's doing, he's tracking well again. Vasily Pat Colson is. Mm-hmm. He's an NHL body. Like they, there's well, there's lots to like there. Um, I would be I would be reticent. I suppose Pat Colson could be involved in a trade for a player with term, but which I, is with extra stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So I, I think you got to be careful, but I, I'm certainly yeah. not against it. So I, I have. Um, for several weeks now been if you're all in you're all in mm-hmm. like that is a declarative definitive statement there is no half measure there there's no gray area um we've used the term pot committed a whole lot so for me after you made the Lindholm trade you're all in now and I do think you can make a compelling case that this will be your best chance over the next three or four years while you have Lindholm, or while you have Pedersen and Hronick on reasonably affordable contracts, while Oliver Ekman Larson isn't costing you as much as he will in future seasons, um, while you have Lindholm now, 
of course, but also while you have just, as Rutherford said at the beginning of the year, everything going right here. JT Miller continues to be much more than a point-per-game player at age 30. Brock Besser, 30 goals going into the unofficial second half here against the Carolina Hurricanes on Tuesday. This bottom six performing so well, some of them on expiring contracts like Teddy Bluger and Dakota Joshua, Sam Lafferty. You got you made the Zadorov trade, lest we forget, right? Mm-hmm. Ian Cole's on the one-year deal. Myers is playing better, and he's expiring as well. So, you know, even DeSmith, the backup goaltender, it was a massive issue last year. It's been excellent this year. So, while all of this is in your favor, and with all the uncertains and you know all all the knowns going forward of being being a more expensive Pedersen, a more expensive Heronic. Maybe Lindholm, if you keep him, plus having to replace some of these guys who have performed so well in your bottom six and on the blue line. Yeah, I think you're all in. I know it's a tough-looking West, but I'm not sure you can gauge the competitiveness of the conference over an extended period of time. Like, you, yeah, I, I think Edmonton— Do you mean in uh, years at least to come? It, I, mean, I mean in terms of— um. Making the decision of going all in. Yeah, Edmonton, I think, is going to be there so long as McDavid and Dreisaitl are there, right? But you look around and you go, okay, it's competitive this year. Well, it could be just as competitive next year. It could be more competitive Completely. in future years. If Edmonton gets all their crap together, they could be an absolute behemoth, a Tampa Bay-style team going forward, right? Where you know the road to the Stanley and, Cup leads through them. And I, I don't think that we're going to see the departure of, you know, Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, and Jack Eichel from the Western Conference no. anytime soon. No, so, I wouldn't think like, so. Unless you're running up the white flag year after year, like <laughs> every once in a while you've got to push chips in and say, let's yeah. try to win the cup now. And and for as good as all those players are, more so with, with, uh, with Edmonton than the other two, but, th- you know, that's still a very imperfect Edmonton team. I don't think mm-hmm. you can – you know, turtle on no. the Oilers right now. No, I mean, you, you can't turn them into the unbeatable. No. 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 Not the way you manage anyways. Look, astonished we're here. <laughs> I mean, I think there's one through line through all the discussion of the Vancouver Canucks from you know the end of last season through to here is that everybody is surprised that they're the first place team in the Western Conference. But here you are, manage accordingly. Uh, let's get to today's top story, and it's brought to you by Mr. Lube. Welcome aboard, Mr. Lube. Arshdeep Baines, Surrey's Arshdeep Baines. The American Hockey League All-Star Game MVP. He led all scorers with two goals and three assists. He had the game-winning goal. He showed his defensive chops. He's amongst the American Hockey League's leading goal, uh, leading scorers. Beefed up on assists, lots of assists, making plays. And it's the leading scorer for the Abbotsford Canucks. It's a wonderful story. It feels like found money because it is. Uh, you know, they, they sign this guy out of the Western League, and we see a lot of overage leading scores of CHL teams that I don't think get even to this point of being – league leaders on their American League team. They, you know, it's a different world in in the professional ranks. So the fact that he's turned himself into 
um, one of the top call-up possibilities for a really good team. I mean, it's a testament to how hard R.G. Baines has worked, and by all accounts, it is not just about the offense for R.G. Baines. It's about a, uh, a conscientious player that can be trusted in a lot of different scenarios, and that could prove to be very helpful. Um, if the Canucks win a round, if they can extend their season – I mean, this is a black ace, I think. I think for sure he's, oh, he's sure. going to be there as a utility club to 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 bring in. And, again, it's been so long since Canuck fans remember what sort of – what every, everything changes, remember, folks, when you win a, when you win a round. Um, your AHL team is probably gone at, at that point from the American League playoffs. Um, and you start to have a few more options at your disposal. Guys like him who are older – you know, they're not growing into their bodies anymore. Like, R.C. Baines is is a man. Um, you know, they, they can lean on him. He can get a spot duty in, in a game four and a game three to keep hopes alive. So he's going to be a useful player. Whether he gets a call up in the regular season, I don't know. But I think he's going to be practicing with the Vancouver Canucks at some point. Hey, uh, I mean, one of the guys we'll talk to today, Frank Corrado, dropped into a playoff series. You remember that? Going way back. Another name we've talked about here. Chris Tanev dropped into play a playoff series so yeah and, and you know the gillis regime used to also talk about even if they don't play just having them up with the nhl club and associating yeah with everything about the big club that is part of their development getting accustomed to all of that going through a training session with the strength and conditioning coach and all of those things so yeah uh one to me one of the big fascinations for these canucks in the final couple of months of the season here is going to be whether or not you, um, because you are, you know, you're going to the playoffs. Now you do want to finish first. So it's still a competitive environment, but do you find occasion to integrate some of these players from Abbotsford who are earning it, whether that's our Steve Baines, whether that's put Colson, whether that's Atu Ratu, some of the guys who are performing well down on the farm. Top story brought to you by Mr. Lube. Now providing tire service and sales with no appointment needed. Of course, they're known for their oil change warranty, approved oil change. They're the pioneer of the no appointment oil change, and they're 100% Canadian. 16 locations in the lower mainland for one near you. Go to MrLube.com. I used the location on Arbuta Street, and our friends at Mr. Lube told me, oh, that's a busy one, and yet still, I don't wait there. Nah. They do a hell of a job. Place. Uh, this from our friend Dave Hall of Canucks Army. It's been quite the year for Canucks prospects. Our Steve Baines, just talked about. Lekromacki, World Junior MVP. Ty Mueller, that's Mueller, fourth round pick, 105th overall in the past entry draft. He's a Hobie Baker finalist at the University of Nebraska, Omaha. Uh, sorry, not finalist. Hobie Baker nominee. Mm-hmm. They pare down the list. Yes. And then there's this from last night in Boston, Monday night in Boston, Tom Wielander and Aiden Celebrady heading to the 71st Beanpot Tournament Final. Boston University avenges its loss in a number one versus number two game to crosstown rival Boston College of a week or so ago. They win 4-3. At the TD Garden, the big house, Wheelander, plus two, five-shot attempts, shot on goal, blocked two shots, 
And they'll be facing Canucks prospect Jackson Dorrington, a defenseman with Northeastern, who is the <clears throat> who is a six-round pick from the 2022 draft. That's a pretty peppy game for Vlander because, uh, of course, Lane Hudson is sort of the go-to offensive He's defenseman. He's the offensive defenseman there, for, yes. So for Vlander to get... Five shots on goal in a game uh, means he's being particularly spunky, and and that's good because I I think they want they, they see him as a two way defenseman that's capable of contributing, but um, you don't want him to forget how to play offense because Lane Hudson is the guy gobbling up all those offensive minutes, mm-hmm. uh, particularly on power plays, and, and I'm sure Hudson will continue to get those uh, priority looks. But Wheelander's clearly uh, activating still when appropriate and uh, and being involved. It's good. Uh, Elias Lindholm, his Vancouver Canucks debut against the Carolina Hurricanes on Tuesday. Look, five players, existing players, and then a sixth in Lindholm who was at all participated in the All-Star game. Do you anticipate that there may be any All-Star weekend hangover from this huge contingent of Canucks who attended? If they played last night, I would have said yes. I think a, a couple of nights. Leafs certainly looked like they had yeah. a hangover. I think you're you're in the team hotel for two nights, probably pretty quiet nights after a busy weekend. Two quiet nights in the hotel, and static, no travel, two practices. Like I, I like that recipe. I I think they should be fine. If it was last night, I'd be more concerned. The extra night of sleep and and getting the second full practice, I think they'll be okay against a very good Carolina Hurricanes team. Uh, as Jeff Patterson remarked yesterday on the show, Monday on the show. As good as the Canucks have been since Christmas, the Hurricanes have one more point than Vancouver in that yep. time frame. And, in fact, it was their loss here in Vancouver in early December that really was a turning point in this hurricane season. They had a players-only uh, meeting. And from that point forward, they have been playing excellent hockey. The two best coaching mugs in the game, I would argue, Rick Tockett and Rod Brindamore, if you were going to design, if you were going to ask... What is it, chat uh, GPT? Show me a hockey coach. They would look like Tockett or Brindamore, right? That, I mean, they look Two like former hockey players. Flyers. I don't know if they look like hockey coaches. You don't think so? They're hockey players. Oh, come on, Blake. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I still think I love of, it when Rod gets fiery there. The pride of Campbell River gets fiery on the bench. I still think of a Fedora when I think of hockey coach. Are you like 107 years old? I feel like it sometimes, yeah. I do. Uh, Carolina does uh, have some injuries to deal with, though. Uh, Andre Sveshnikov will not be in the lineup. I, I'm sorry, like, you're of the Scotty Bowman generation. You're not of the Toe Blake generation. No, I know, but I'm just going, like, central casting road, like, in Namesake my mind. notwithstanding. Yeah. Yes. Do you remember when Bellavo died and we got the story that the team was out here for forget it was a training camp or exhibition or whatnot and they needed a new captain and toe blake passed the fedora around to put names in the hat and then counted up the ballots and mm. it was bellifo and it's great imagery if you're a hockey historian or hockey fan okay brindamore versus talk it to uh strict systems i don't suspect they'll go tortorella in a hall but it would be very entertaining if it happened Oh, could you imagine <laughs> talking and Brindamore get into it in between the glass? We got Patrick in the league. It can't happen. That's right. Uh, yesterday, the London Police Service on Monday mm. held its uh, much-awaited press conference on the sexual assault charges for five hockey players, four NHLers, 
stemming from an incident with the World Junior Hockey Team, Canadian World Junior Hockey Team, in 2018. By now, you are familiar with all of the details there. Michael McLeod of the New Jersey Devils. All available details. We don't have all the well, details. All but the yes, available yes, details yeah. that have been released publicly. Michael McLeod of the New Jersey Devils facing a couple of charges there, as is his teammate Cal Foote, the son of Vancouver Canucks assistant coach Adam Foote, Carter Hart of the Philadelphia Flyers, Dylan Dubé of the Calgary Flames, and Alex Formanton, ex of the Ottawa Senators, now playing in Switzerland. The London Police Service went to the extraordinary step, Blake, of apologizing to the victim, and they did call her a vi- the victim, for the amount of time it has taken to reach this point. Uh, and in fact, if not for the outcry regarding the use of registration monies from across the country from just minor league minor hockey players yeah. to settle the civil side of this and of others, this and others yeah. you do wonder whether the London police would have pursued it as doggedly as they wound up pursuing it, but sitting here apologizing for it. Undoubtedly, they've turned up more information. They said they did, they did. But you do have to think that there was enough even back then, to dig up if they so wanted. They said that no investigators from the original investigation are on the case right now. Mm-hmm. So you do wonder if... And they, they refuse to get into the details about anybody being suspended for you know derelict duty or anything like that in the original investigation. But I suspect that there are some guys that uh, got at least a, uh, a, mm-hmm. a, a reprimand of some sort for not... Figuring out right. that this deserved charges back in the day. And they went through lengths talking about how these are difficult cases. And, of course, um, the participation of the victim sometimes is... Anyways, we're here now. Charges are going forward. In fact, after the formal proceedings, kind of became a back and forth with the police and media there. I know you were listening the, in. The police blaming, uh, just like not sports media per se, but just world media of... The sexualization of women, like that, you know, saying basically that contributed to this. And I think the lack of And then charges, the media firing back about your investigation and right. why did it stop? When, and when, it was only because of When victims see that it and, takes six years to get yeah. charges, that might be a big reason right. why they uh, Anyways, come forward. offshoot from this, Darren Dreger reporting the Flyers, Devils, and Flames, the three teams that have players involved in this matter, have been informed they will receive cap relief for the players on leave. Now, I have yet to see it specified whether that is going to be the NHL sort of removing these cap hits, setting them aside, or whether they're going to be LTIR eligible, as was the case with Slava Voinov when he faced charges on a domestic so contrasting reports on this i'm i'm very confused as to where we're at with all this um and i think the nhl is going to look long and hard at this because of the pr uh backlash if they if they make a step wrong here so we'll see where this ends up but the other thing is sort of was an aha moment and i don't know that this is necessarily new news but i had not really just put together the timeline of this going forward matt and that you know like even if exonerated 
That's not happening in the next five months. Like though these five players, mm. like even if completely exonerated, innocent on all charges, that's not going to happen for a long time. Like the, the trial's not going to be for a bit here. So, so it is going to be quite a like. I saw some people thinking maybe two years till this is all wrapped up. Again, whether that's accurate or not, we'll find out. But it, it, I don't think it's in anywhere in the six to twelve month range. So these players will see a pause in their NHL career, you know, like few we've seen before. Right. Cody Severson of Canucks Army wondering if teams come out after they draft these players and talk about how we did our homework, they're good character people. Yeah. Should they get this get-out-of-jail-free card with regards to the cap? Should... These players have to sit on these teams' cap and show. Okay, so I read that. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. And then mm-hmm. I read this, too. And I thought, okay, I can see this both ways. Now, yeah. if you get cap relief, is there an incentivization there for the clubs to come down more harshly on the players they have under their umbrella currently? Mm-hmm. Because they know, Fair hey, point. we don't have to be loyal to this player. We're going to get cap relief on his $6 million. Maybe he's a, maybe it's a superstar player, $12 million player. But I get full cap relief of that because he's been an idiot in the past? Oh, we're, we're not going to defend him and come up with a, a whole litany of, of excuses for him. Mm-hmm. No, they, make him pay for it and, and we get cap relief for it. So I can see that both ways that, you know, there's a, a front-end um, – responsibility but there's also you know an off-ramp taken away if they get cap relief yeah i honestly don't know how i feel about it um you know in the case of well in the case of the new jersey devils for example this is two players you're in a playoff fight and you've just been handed and maybe i'm a little bit influenced by the fact that for the last several years cap space has been like manna from heaven right with a flat cap and revenues not underpinning increases in the cap like we had seen before and this being the last season where basically it is one heck of an exercise for organizations to get under the cap and stay under the cap i i do find that that is a competitive advantage right now for a team that's had two players charged with a horrible episode. And yet that is a very good counterpoint that you just brought because teams not protecting players in scenarios like this is a place I think we want to get to. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. You know, teams looking at this holistically with a human eye and not a hockey eye is a place we want to get to. The, uh, the the other thing that rubs me the wrong way here is, um, you know, other teams saw this coming. The Ottawa Senators walked away from an 18-goal score. He's on a 20-goal pace. Two years ago. Two years ago. So I don't buy the Calgary Flames who said we didn't see this coming when, when Dylan Dubé went on mental leave. They just, they just came out and said that again. Like, I'm sorry, the Ottawa Senators saw this coming two years ago. Dylan Dubé himself uh, a year ago said, "I'm you know, updated the situation, said I'm co- cooperating with the investigation, all that." Like, sorry, Calgary, you, you you're you're not looking if you say that you had no idea. 
Everybody else had ideas. Guys were extended. Guys were given new contracts. Like, there's a buyer beware aspect to that. And I'll credit the Ottawa Senators. They, they look, Which have not been the most functional no. or detailed organization. But Ox Formanton, probably on a skill sense, should be a National like Hockey he'd League player. he'd be one of the fastest pl- skaters in the league today. He can yeah. absolutely fly. Yeah. That's why he was drafted sec- in the second round. That's why he was a member of this you world. You don't walk Junior away team. from 18-goal young players. Right. But the Ottawa Senators said At no, 22, 21, whatever he was. Not touching. And we would get messages from, like... Formanton available because remember back then the Canucks were ostensibly yeah well they weren't officially rebuilding because they didn't do that but a lot of their fans wanted them to rebuild were scouring young talent around the league mm-hmm. and wondering we would get messages to the inbox about Formanton well hey well you know centers aren't interested in this guy eighteen goals and can really skate like why aren't the Canucks on that well there's a reason yeah also uh, just before we leave this file. So not just these five players, but every player on the 2018 Canadian World Junior Team remains suspended by Hockey Canada, ineligible to play, coach, officiate, volunteer with Hockey Canada sanctioned programs pending an appeal process. This is of the Hockey Canada investigation. Remember, it was delayed, Mm -hmm. or at least the results thereof. Um, That all said... If you're wondering about this four-nation face-off next season for the National Hockey League, Canada, United States, Sweden, and Finland, that is an NHL event. It is not a double IHF for Hockey Canada-sanctioned event. So every player on the 2018 Canadian World Junior Team would be eligible, other than, of course, the five players who have been charged, yeah. to participate for Canada in that event, well, and, that, there was and some that, people, that entails Kale McCarr. There were there were some people suggesting, "Hey, we're not double IHF. We could do a Russian team. Russian these the Russians are in the league. It's a league event. Why couldn't right. you do a Russian team?" But they refused to go down that boulevard as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Russians, Evgeny Kuznetsov has taken leave of the Capitals yes. to receive care from the player assistance program. We had talked about the Capitals uh, simply because they are a Vancouver Canucks opponent this weekend, part of a back-to-back morning puck drop with Detroit on Saturday and Washington on Sunday, and had talked about how if you're the Capitals right now, you're 51 points, you're in a big chase for a Eastern Conference wild card, you're almost getting into must-win territory, before the deadline, answer me this. I mean, at this stage of the game, would Washington be a seller? Seven points out of a playoff spot and having lost a centerman like that? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how much shopping is is to be done on that roster, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, from where they are, um, I can't believe they, they have one of the richest payrolls in the league. Um, it's unbelievable they're as bad as they are with Ovechkin making a very fair amount of money. Well, and, um, you know, for what we thought he'd be a total anchor, but Mantha's wound up having a pretty nice year here. Yep. All things considered. I mean, I suspect that Edmondson could probably be moved to a contender. He's playing 16 minutes a night as a big bodied defenseman, right? He's a. A rental guy as well, and uh, Obey Kubel could move as a, a rental as well, and uh, Pacioretty 
who hasn't played a lot this year, just the twelve, just the twelve games. But he's on a two million dollar ticket, and he's got some name red. Here's the bigger point that I wanted to make in illustrating the Capitals and where they're at. It wasn't long ago, and we'll talk to John Shannon about this actually um, later in the week tomorrow. Actually, uh, Wednesday, we'll talk to Shannon about this. At one point, we surveyed the landscape and went. Mm, I'm not sure there's going to be a lot of pure sellers because of how many teams are still in the playoff chase. Like now when you look at it, could it be a sneaky buyer's market after all? Calgary has shed a piece. Washington is falling out of it and now is um, set back by the Kuznetsov departure. Pittsburgh hasn't really gotten its act together after Dubas talked about how, well, I want to see how. Yeah, very middling, 4-3-3 three and three in their last 10. Go here. Philadelphia without Carter Hart, are they actually going to stay in this? I mean, take a look at who they're playing in goal. Uh, and then uh, you take a look at the West. I mean, Minnesota hasn't gotten better since Bill Guerin said, oh, we're not out of this, we're going to see if we can stick around. Well, you're seven points back with five teams to jump. I mean, St. Louis and Doug Armstrong doesn't doesn't really feel like they want to, you know, do everything in their power just to stay in it. It's, every time I hear Armstrong speak or see him quoted, it's more with an eye to a, the future than necessarily competing this year. We're a, a month away from the deadline on Thursday, and I'm looking around the league and going, I think we may actually have more sellers than we initially thought well, and for various reasons. The Lone Home deal was, was I just think, a hockey trade. Like, I, I don't know that there was a winner or a loser of that trade. We talked about that on that uh, on that week. So, you know, for a big piece like Lindholm to be traded and for there not to be an exorbitant cost, I think that tells a little bit of the tale as well. Yeah, I, I think so. So uh, it should be a uh, – I mean, Calgary, Minnesota – Nashville? Is Barry Trotz going to do something big in Nashville? Now, big win for the Isles, but uh, right. last time. But, I mean, they still haven't had a, a crazy Coach Patrick Waugh bump yet. We'll mm-hmm. see in you know, over a 10-game swath what that looks like. But, um, you know, they, they, they still don't look like that different of a team. We'll see. Right. Uh, let's get into today's menu. It is brought to you by Greta. We're doing today's menu? Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. And... You're cordially invited. Canucks Army, secure some price. We're going to be hosting a game day watch party at Greta February 22nd. It's a ticketed events. Tickets go on sale today, Tuesday. You can get them nationgear.ca. That's nationgear.ca. They're $10. The event is in support of Canucks House, uh, at Canucks Place Children's Hospice. There'll be prizes, food, drink specials, guaranteed good time. So get yourself to nationgear.ca. Get yourself some tickets for February 22nd at Greta and our watch party. Uh, we're going to talk to Frank Corrado. We'll do some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter. BC Lions head coach and general manager, co-general manager Rick Campbell is joining us. And it is being reported from John Hodge of Three Down Nation that the Lions have signed running back or will sign. You can't sign yet. We're a week out from CFL Free Agency. William Stanback, who has been a sensational running back with the Montreal Alouettes for a number of years here, so much so that when he asked for and got his release, you had everyone from the owner of the team 
tweeting thank you to to stand back. So uh, that has emerged since we talked to. Yeah, we won't get a comment Ray. on that anyway because of the timing of it. Right. Well, yeah. 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 And um, a few uh, NFL matters as well to get to later in the program. Uh, pretty exciting stuff regardless. Okay, let's get to our best bets for the today. Mm-hmm. Uh, a presentation of Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book and casino. What are you looking at? Uh, a couple of things. I was put onto this by Mina Kynes of ESPN mm-hmm. who tweeted about the 49ers zone rushing attack, meaning the offensive linemen move one way or the other. They don't necessarily block a guy. They... They block in concert. It's the best zone rushing game in the league. Kansas City is the second worst defense against the zone rushes. I don't think Kyle Shanahan is going to fall into the Baltimore trap and stop running the ball, particularly on early downs against that KC defense. So two bets here. I wasn't brave enough to go the over on Christian McCaffrey rushing yards because it's like 90-something. And if they get behind, I just... uh, so their backup running back, Elijah Mitchell, he's just got to get over three and a half yards, Blake. If he gets a four-yard rush, I win. And 49ers to score a rushing touchdown, pan is 6.5. I like the value. I'm going back to the same game as well, uh, back to Tigris versus the Whitecaps at Starlight Stadium tomorrow. Uh, player to score and their team to win the match. Uh, Brian White, remember, of, of all the players – might be amongst the best in form Vancouver Whitecap. He went to the, the U.S. men's national team camp and played a game there with them, then to Spain meeting up with the Whitecap. So he's probably in the best form of everybody in terms of midseason. 450 for White to get a goal, and that leads to a Whitecap win. I like it. Yeah. I'm in favor of it. And that. Are our best bets for today's sports interaction, your homegrown sports book and casino featuring custom props and parlays you won't find anywhere else speaking directly to a Vancouver sports fan. Plus, a best in class casino with thousands of games and live dealers. See that code, get a 200% welcome bonus from Securus and Price. Sports interaction, bet local, must be 19 years of age. Please play responsibly. Frank Corrado coming up next. Joined now by former Vancouver Canuck TSN hockey analyst, the one and only Frank Corrado. How we doing? All good over here. What's going on mm-hmm. over there? Mm-hmm. Uh, missing hockey, to be honest. Missing actual Yeah, hockey. no, it yeah. has been a long time here between Canucks games, so looking forward to the uh, Canucks and Canes. Um, because, let's face it, Frank, two best coaching mugs in hockey, Rod Brindamore and Rick Tockett, right? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. All right. And like, I wonder if those guys went toe to toe right now, who would win that? Like Brenda Moore, I think is still in the gym. Like he's still yeah, like yeah, grinding sure. and, and talk. It's just got that. Like, I feel like talk. It's got that thing where he'll just see red and kind of snap. And he's got like the, the real, like not old man strength, but he's dad got strength. That, he's that got the dad strength. Yeah. You know yeah what absolutely. I mean? Like that yeah. dad strength. But like Rod the Bod, like I think he's still setting the tone over there in the gym. Hardest working guy. <laughs> when you watch these two teams play, how similar are they stylistically? I think they're they're a little different for me. Like I think the Canucks are maybe a little more calculated, and the Canucks want to play with the puck a little bit more than the Canes. The Canes, for me, it's like it's puck pressure nonstop all game. 
And it's almost like they don't want to take very many chances in their own zone. So if, if what I've seen from them in the past still applies, it's like anytime the puck's going to be in, in doubt tonight, they'll just high flip it out of the zone. They'll do it four times in a row. Although they'll go off the glass and like, they just want to get you into positions where they're going to get you into foot races and put pressure on you and force you into mistakes where the Canucks have elements of that. But I think the Canucks game, it's a little more crisp. It's a little more smooth. There's a little more skill involved in the way the Canucks play because you have to understand what you have, right? Like the Canucks have high-end skill. I think the Canes have some skilled players. But as a team, the, the brand of hockey that they want to play, it's like if it was compared to UFC, it would be ground and pound. You know, just like put the pressure on you, force you into mistakes and, and find a way to get you into submission somehow. Two practices Sunday, Monday after the All-Star game, and the All-Stars took part on Sunday. But would you, as a coach, be at all worried about readiness of the six guys? And not because they were unprofessional by any stretch of the imagination, just busy and and sort of yanked here and there with media availabilities and such. Um, is it tougher to, to get the six guys back in focus, um, or I guess five guys, I don't know, six. Um, or, or do you think that, you know, it's been close enough and wasn't long travel to Carolina. They can, they can get back onto it with a couple practices. I, I think that's just, that's just a long weekend. Like it's a, it's a lot for those guys. There's, there's a lot of media obligations. There's a lot of like getting dragged here and there to do this, to do that. And, you know, I think if, if you go to an all-star game, like I obviously never went in my career, but you want to enjoy all the experiences that are involved in that. Why wouldn't you? Like, you're not going to go to your hotel room at 10 o'clock and, and shut it down. Whether you, Even if you have family there, like even if you're a family guy, you have kids there, you're just doing stuff. There's so many activities for you to do. So I, I would expect there to be a little bit of that. And I don't know if that happens early in the game. Like we just, I was watching, I was at the game in Toronto last night and I, you could see a little bit of that kind of, fog fatigue happened later in the game like there was there was a couple breakdowns at that point and we're like oh, I wonder if that has anything to do with the the long weekend but um, listen the, the guys like they're pretty dialed in as, as far as you know how they need to prepare for a game and that's the the nature of the beast when you have six guys go to the all-star game there's going to be your six best players who are kind of affected by the schedule and and all that entails but I I don't I don't expect it to be like that big of a deal um, but if they come out and they're slow and, you know, it seems like they're a little fatigued and they can't execute, you can obviously look at that and say, well, that's a, a viable reason as to why that would be happening. New body in the room, though, might get them excited too, right? You, so you've got that as a sort of a negative pull, perhaps, but you've got Lindholm there. And if I'm Elias Pedersen, at least I'm pretty excited. I'm very excited to find him because now it's like, listen, you have a guy who is having a down year for sure but you know can be trusted in so many different situations and you're going to get like the responsibility that you kind of like want or crave. It's like, you're getting that now. And, and, you know, if, if you weren't maybe getting it a, a ton before, there's really no, there's no reason why you wouldn't. And he should like, he should be a, a, a big bolster to the team in, in a number of different ways. Obviously, you know, we talk about defensively what he brings to the table. There's probably a little more offensive, you know, pop there to to be had this season we've seen it in the past but like a, a new player in the room and I think it's 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 that I think it's an individual thing but I think even more than that it's just the message has kind of been sent now from the management group that you're in this and we're gonna do it and and we're kind of in this win now kind of all in mode whatever you want to call it I think that as a group 
that has to be very energizing for everyone to know that the message has been sent. Now it's on us. And, and you know what? There's a month that we have here to show that, you know, we actually really do mean business. Maybe they'll, they'll get us something even more to help us along the way. So I think that like that might be able to kind of counteract any, you know, sleepiness or fatigue from, from whatever the all-star weekend kind of entailed. Well, that brings us to our poll question then, Frank, should the Canucks spend the assets to make another all in trade? Are they pot committed at this point? Uh, you know, like it's, it's so nuanced, right? Because like, what does that mean? Does that mean you have to get rid of your, your best prospects just to do it? Like, do you have to get rid of Will Ender and LeCaramacchi just because, just because you're all in? Like, I don't think the definition all in necessarily means that you have to expend your best prospects. Like what if, what if you just got to the point where you're like, we're tapped out cap wise, we're tapped out on our roster players. We like the way everything fits lower in the lineup. So like, do we need to make a move just for the sake of saying we are so all in that we traded this prospect and that prospect, you know what I mean? Like you just get to a point where you're kind of maxed out. So like they can still be all in and, and not have to kind of mortgage, you know, players that should actually help the team sooner rather than later because they're really good and they're on good kind of trajectories. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting, but I, I still like as much as they're all in, I just, I just don't think it has to come at the expense of making moves just for the sake of making moves to signify that you're all in. Gotcha. Um, I think we talked last week about uh, Tanif, a, a second and a B prospect or, or something like that. I hear, I, I mean, I think some people would say that's all in. Um, yeah, I think it even if it doesn't, yeah. uh, even yeah, if it doesn't I don't include, see why not? Like, I don't mm-hmm. see why not. I think that's like if you look at the blue line right now, like Carson Susie is a little bit of a question mark just because of like the injuries, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. when you when you've had a season where those things kind of pile up, you, you kind of figure the next one's looming around the corner because you just. You don't have the time. You don't have the time to kind of, um, you know, not just only get back to neutral, but, you know, recondition yourself so that you don't get hurt again. And um, like maybe maybe there is something that, that happens on the blue line that you say, OK, that that can really help us because now we're, you know, we're seven or eight deep where we feel like we, we really have a lot of answers to whatever teams are going to throw at us. Before you throw any more names at them here, Matt, um, let me ask you this, Frank. Um when do you believe you can win the cup? Uh, now you were on the sixteen seventeen Penguins. You had Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. You, of course, you think you can win the cup. Do you think the Canucks in training camp? Do you think in their heart of hearts, you think they went to bed dreaming this could be the year we we win the cup? When do those dreams start? And does it take a trade like that to for them to wake up and realize maybe we can win the cup this year? When, when do you think that belief actually starts? So it's funny, like I wasn't there much that year, but when, yeah. I, when I got there, like, so I got traded, I first went down to Wilkes-Barre, I got called up maybe a month after that, and I was playing my first game in Buffalo, and one of the guys, like, I was talking to him, guy I knew from the past, he's like, yeah, man, don't worry, we're really good, and we're probably going to win the cup again this year, like, we're, we're, like, that was, you know, that was one of the first conversations I had where I was, you know, the guy was like, how you feeling? How's travel? This and that. I'm like, oh, you know, it's good. Whatever. He's like, like, you know, how you feel about the game tonight? I'm like, you know, a little nervous, new team, all that stuff. He goes, don't worry, man. We're really good. <laughs> you know, like, we'll probably end up winning the cup again this year. <laughs> sure enough, they, you know, I only played two games in the regular season that year, but 
I'll never forget that conversation. And so that was like, okay, these guys, they must've known that they had the chops to do it coming into the season. And then everything kind of went their way and they were really sure of themselves. And, and I, I would classify that as confidence, not cockiness. But they had the pedigree, way. too. They had pedigree, right? You know, the, this Canuck group doesn't have pedigree. so like, They don't the, have that because they haven't yeah. done it. But if they right. won a cup this year and they had the same team coming back and they got off to a great start the next season, it's like, why wouldn't you be having those those exact same conversations? But right. Like a team like that, that, that's really sure of themselves, like I think they know, they know early on in the season. The problem in in the western conferences would you be surprised that when it when it's all said and done if i told you one of vancouver edmonton vegas dallas colorado or winnipeg won the stanley cup this year would that surprise you not really no i mean given what we know of them in previous years yes but but for this year no for this year yeah you know what i mean so it's like there's a lot of viable options that could win the cup in the Western conference this year, where I feel like that year it was the pens and like, I don't know, maybe the caps and, and then everyone else. Like it, it just didn't feel like, didn't feel like there was that much as far as like legit competition, like Chicago was on their down kind of run. Uh, LA had, had had their success already. Like it was the Penguins time. I don't even think Tampa Bay was ready to take that. Now, like it just felt like, it was them and everyone else. And I feel like with this year, especially in the West, there's six teams that could legit win the Stanley Cup this year, and you wouldn't be that surprised. Lindholm as the net front guy, Miller in the bumper, Besser and Pedersen on the flanks. At least that's how they practiced power play one. What do you make of that alignment? It might change a million times before the playoffs. You know, like now that you have a, a, a new player and a new presence, you, you want to see how that all works out. But for me, like, Lindholm's probably not a half wall guy. Um, so I, I don't, I don't see him there. Um, Pedersen and Besser, I actually like them both on the half wall because they provide like a one-time shooting threat when they're on their offsides. And that, that will open up space for Quinn Hughes. And Quinn Hughes was talking about it at, at the all-star game here with, with Bieksa, how Sergei Gonchar is on him to shoot the puck way more. So like there's, there's, you can definitely tell there's more of an urgency and we've been talking about that all year long, but it's just interesting to hear it from him, you know, that, that there's that, that urgency. Um, and JT Miller, like, I think when he's in the bumper position, he has the opportunity to not just get stuck in the mud and say, well, I'm the bumper guy and this is kind of where I play. Like, I feel like he can be a little bit of a, a rover in that, in that position. And that's kind of, that's intriguing for me because I feel like that's similar to the Edmonton power play where, you know, Nugent Hopkins, he'll kind of roam, like he'll roam around a little bit. He'll go towards the net. He'll go higher in the zone. And like JT Miller has that, like he has that commanding ability with the puck where I feel like he can, he can make things happen from that position. So I listen, it looks like it would be pretty good and it might change four or five times it might not they might just catch lightning lightning in a bottle and and it might just work right away lastly people are saying this was a very good all-star weekend albeit with a low bar what what did you make of it was there something that stood out for you i was supposed to go down there and i was under the weather so mm. all-star game comes to toronto I don't get down there for not even a second of it. So I only got to watch it on TV. thought the draft was kind of, you know, it's tough to do something like that. Like there's no, 
I feel like there's no playbook on how to do anything like that, unless you're going to just copy the way the NBA does it, I guess. But um, anyways, the draft was, it, it is what it is. It's a little goofy, but I, I'm happy they, they brought it back. Um, and then I thought the skills was good. I had no problem with it. I thought, you know, for the most part, guys tried hard. Obviously, Kucherov didn't. That's, you know, that's his decision to do that. And uh, But I, I thought guys tried hard. I think it was fitting that McDavid won because he is the most skilled player in the league. Obviously, he had a hand in designing it. So um, I just I, I feel like that was fitting. Um, and then the game itself, I, I actually enjoyed. Like, I actually didn't feel like it was a chore to watch that game. So I, I think, you know, I, Overall, there was no gimmicks. I, I feel like it was just, it was hockey. There was some good entertainment. I thought the celebrities did a really good job. You know, like Will Arnett and Michael Buble, you can really tell that those guys are are like legit fans mm -hmm. and they actually know a thing or two about hockey. Like oh, it, just... Arnett talks about hockey way too much on Spartless. I, I, every time he talks about hockey, I think you're alienating like 98% of your audience. Yeah, but but, he loves but it. He loves it. And, and yeah. Buble, like when, when Bieksa was talking to Buble about the differences between the 2011 team and, and this year's team, it's like he actually had answers. Like he actually had legit, like he remembers watching that team play. Like I, I, I just thought that was so cool. I think they... Like, with having those guys involved, I think it really kind of nailed the celebrity portion of it. Listen, Bieber is what he is, and uh, Tate McRae's performance was awesome. So there was, a, like, there was just so many, so many positives for a weekend that's usually kind of riddled with, why did they do this? Why did they do that? That's a gimmick. That's stupid. Like, the kids, like, it's always for the kids. I thought the kids would have got uh, a lot out of it. And I think if you're a hockey fan, for the most part, I don't see why you wouldn't have enjoyed, especially the skills and, and the game itself. I'll tell you why I didn't enjoy the skills, Frank Corrado. TDL. <laughs> Too damn long? Well, especially when you've got a guy like Kucherov half-assing half it. Like, you say he didn't have a problem with it. I was glad the Toronto fans got on Kucherov. Well, I mean, he was too. trying to make a sham of it, for God's sakes. Like, if you don't want to be there, then... You know, but, bow out at the final at the final. But moment. that's great. Well, Emotion at the All Star game is a good thing. Wow. So yeah, rare. I wonder, like, because they had the announcement earlier in the day about the Four Nations Cup, and there was no Russia involved. And I wonder if he's like, you know what, I'm not going to do your your dog and pony show if if you're not going to, you know, let Russia. I don't know. Like, that's just mm -hmm. obviously wild good theory speculation. But howdy. Yeah, uh, I know, saw I other... like that. I feel like he's the kind of guy where he's like. This this means nothing. So mm -hmm. you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sing and dance for you. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm reading yeah. it wrong, but I feel like that's the kind of attitude he would have. I don't know. Like you know, the the passing event just needs to go. The one timers need to be like big hard one timers, not like well, I was half slappers. I was I was wondering that about the one timers because those passes were really soft. Yeah, and some guys like. The guys that have really good one-timers in the league, they'll tell you, like, no, send send it with a little zip. Like, I, well, I want... It's physics. Energy in, energy out. Right. Yeah. Did you see there was some clips rolling around about, like, um, there was there was an all-star game in the 90s. I think there was a clip of Tony Amonti when he was playing for Chicago where he had to mm -hmm. do, like, this five-puck kind of breakaway thing really quick. I, why don't we bring that back? Yeah. That was kind of cool. That had like, energy and speed yeah. at the very least, whereas a lot of these did not have energy... Or speed. You know what? Uh, I got one. I got one observation on the hardest shot. 
all these guys, because the game has changed now, everyone's doing this quick little snapper release, right? And especially the defensemen nowadays. Like, you just can't load up the big bomb one-timer the way you used to be able to. Yeah, JT so Miller does that one, yeah. Mm-hmm. So guys, guys are using, like, you know, 85 flex, 90 flex. Like, as my career went on, my flex got whippier. Like, it started off with, like, an 100 flex. I finished my career at 90 because I was like, I just need to get this and just whip it off my stick. So we're not seeing like the 105s, 106s when it comes to the hardest shot anymore. So you see 102 now and you're like, wow. You're like, you know, there was there were years where 102 would get you like third or fourth place. But I think guys are just using the, the whippier sticks because that's what you need in a game. We need Ally Afraidy back with the wood stick. Just wait till Connor Bedard. Wait till Connor yeah, Bedard puts on 10 more pounds yeah. and uh, he'll be winning. That um, lastly, did you see uh, Demko snub Swayman? On the I hug. loved it. I loved it. I you loved think it was it. intentional? You think he saw it and said, nope, I'm not taking part? I kind of do think that, yeah. yeah. Like, obviously, like, the guy's there with the with his arms in the air for a big hug. And I loved I loved every second of it. Whether, like, I don't know why he did it. I, maybe he was just goofing on, like, the guy, you know, because he's like, ah, this guy wants a hug. I'm not going to give him a hug. But if it was, like, a Bruins kind of Canucks thing, I think that's brilliant. I think that's mm-hmm. knowing your market and playing to it perfectly. So yep. well done by Thatcher Demko. Serving notice. You're the best team in the East. We're the best team in the West. We'll see you in the cup final. Not my job to pump your tires. Exactly. <laughs> There's, so much. There's so much of this like wax kind of stuff. It's like, you know what? That That's kind of cool. Like the cameras are on. It's like, dude, I don't know you. You don't exist. You play for the Bruins. Like, dude, I don't know you. Right. Uh, what we need next is the tag team match at WrestleMania, Luongo and Demko against Tim Thomas and Jeremy Oh, Swayman. yeah. Man. I can't wait. Bring yeah. the house yeah. down. I think like Lou would probably want to drop an elbow on tim thomas from like the top of the cage or something mm-hmm. i think most people would yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah i think lou would make a good wrestler actually he would yeah, yeah. expressive yeah. cut a good promo uh marva <laughs> great stuff i Frank. just picture him like i picture him having like some kind of like submission finish right with like the look on his face like tap out yeah exactly (laughs) some sort of full nelson yeah we got you now you're not going anywhere like playing up to the crowd you know Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. something like that oh amazing the figure Uh, four leg lock jimmy hart uh ponytail (laughs) with the loud jacket maybe (laughs) okay we're off the rails here thanks frankie uh until next week see you guys Secure some price from All Center presentation. Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Mitsubishi in Richmond has all, and I repeat, all in stock models with financing starting from 2.99%. Plus, you get the industry's best warranty. So go check them out, and I mean all of them out, at Applewood Mitsubishi in Richmond. It's all good at Applewood. Hashtags are the best and worst of Twitter.com. I'm going to lead us off with uh, local journalist here, Ben Steiner, at Ben Steiner double zero. From Elliot Friedman on the latest 32 Thoughts, the CHL and the NCAA are talking very seriously about if you're eligible to go to school in the U.S. after your CHL career is done, you can go play for an NCAA team. This would be a massive detriment 
to U Sports hockey, um, indeed, because that is often the pathway for right. graduating CHL players who who aren't going professionally. I believe UBC is one of UBC's leading scorers this year. Ty Thorpe from the Giants previously. Yeah, so, um, yeah. oftentimes you'll see the UBC yeah. roster peppered with CHL. Mm-hmm. Uh, former CHL players and good ones um, yep. at that. Carter Popoff went over there and it's, and it's funny, Blake, because over the 12 years we've been doing this show, uh, we have seen a seismic shift in NCAA athletics. Yep. When you think of it, the Ed O'Bannon lawsuit and what that opened up in terms of name, image, and licensing um, capabilities for the student athletes in the NCAA. I mean, the transfer portal now in college football, the head coach at the University of Nebraska openly uh, told a press conference at the end of the year, if you want one of the top transfer quarterbacks, it's going to cost us a million dollars in NIL. You've got people like Tom Brady who are tweeting about raising NIL money for his alma mater, the University of Michigan. Uh, I want to follow this up with another happening um, that could very much affect NCAA sports. But first, on this, um, right now, you, you were telling me yesterday so right now, if you step foot on CHL ice, I think you're ineligible for a scholarship at the NCAA. That much is certain. But can't you just enroll, pay your own way, and play on the hockey I team? I think there's a grace period, by the way, of a handful of games for particular reasons. I think there might mm-hmm. be a grace period of a handful of games. Um, but minor- you see minor league baseball players go back to school and play football just as normal students who don't aren't eligible for an athletic scholarship. You've seen minor league what players? Well, minor league baseball players. Yes. Uh, famously, Chris Wanky, a Blue Jays farmhand who went on to quarterback Florida State. Brandon Whedon, a uh, farmhand who went on to right, uh, quarterback they were, at Oklahoma State. They weren't pro in that sport, though. That's the problem. But minor league baseball's pro. Well, they weren't pro in that sport. They were, they were minor league baseball players. Oh, okay. Came back and... and gotcha. And so there, it, it, and it's not been right because I mean, getting a, an allowance as you do in the CHL is not akin, I don't think, to being a pro. Trust me, the CHL players would like a lot more than they. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, as the uh, lawsuit uh, that's currently in the courts uh, would would indicate. Um, you know, it's never been a real fair rule, and yet mm-hmm. at the same time, instituting this is going to have all sorts of repercussions because if. Former CHL players are now going to be able to go and play NCAA hockey. Yeah, uh, they're taking up roster spots that you know a BCHL kid is right. otherwise going to be walking into. And then then there was this on a parallel track of the NCAA to, uh, yesterday. Ari Myroff, my sports update, potentially huge NCAA news. The National Labor Relations Board has ruled that Dartmouth basketball players are considered employees of the school. They would now be able to proceed with voting to form a union could have enormous implications for college athletics. Um, There is some subtlety to this. It's now got to go to the full National Labor Relations Board. But this applies to student athletes at private institutions. If you're at a public school, you do not have this right. So, for example, um, if you're a player at Florida State, you can't unionize state school. If you're at Miami, Florida, you can unionize. In terms of the Dartmouth ruling, all the Ivy League kids are on academic scholarships. There is no athletic scholarships there, but they're still ruled as employees because they get certain benefits from the school. Their time is earmarked by the school or really by the program and by the coach. And so 
you now have an open door to potentially student athletes at private institutions in the U.S., Getting together and forming unions. And why the distinction between public and private? Uh, I don't fully understand the legality. So yeah. I saw a sports labor, a sports lawyer uh, tweeting about it. I guess it has to do with the fact that if you're at a public institution and would be ruled an employee, you might be bound by pre-existing labor relations yeah. laws. Weird, but... I mean, it's a, it's a quid pro quo. They say that it's you, you're providing the athletic um, services mm-hmm. and the entertainment that they get to charge money right. for. They are giving you X, whatever right. X is. So there, there's there's an exchange of services and yeah. slash assets there that makes you an employee but, of sorts. You know, the interesting part though is that you know, like kids at UCLA could unionize, kids at USC couldn't. Yeah, like that's gonna create Very weird. that could create all sorts of. Uh, during a time where NCAA uh, sports is already, and particularly on the football side, going through just tectonic plates shifting beneath the ground. Speaking so, speaking so we'll of uh, go. 180 changes, mm-hmm. how about this today? At FOS underscore today. In November, MLB owners unanimously voted to approve the Oakland A's relocation to Las Vegas. But the mayor of Las Vegas says the team's plans for the Tropicana site don't make sense. Quote, I personally think they've got to figure out a way to stay in Oakland following up as Owen Poindexter at Owen Poindexter. The A's plan move to Las Vegas does not make sense to the mayor of Las Vegas. Mayor Carolyn Goodman oh. is very proud of the Golden Knights and is ready to welcome the NBA. But she also thinks the A's should stay oh, wow. in Oakland. Hmm. I mean, certainly not at that ballpark. And you're almost at the point where damage done here, right? Like, are you buying Oakland A's tickets at this point? Especially I mean, season tickets. I mean, maybe if you, you're in uh, in San Jose, mm-hmm. you know, like San Jose tried to make a play for it. Um, I don't. I think San Jose might be a place, or yeah. you, you get to another county outside yeah. of Almeida. I maybe. thought the die was cast yeah. here, but if you're going to get political um, pushback in the city, that is that could be tough to overcome. Yeah, at POTUS. This is President Biden. Mm. Have you ever bought tickets for a big game based on one price, but then noticed it ticked up at the checkout due to hidden fees? Economists call that drip pricing, and companies use it to rip you off. Under my administration, we're putting an end to those hidden junk fees. So they're going after the ticket brokers who will show you a price, and then all of a sudden their service fees, handling fees, administration fees, whatever they want to call the fees. Well, and brokers includes Ticketmaster, I think. Like Ticketmaster is as guilty as the mm-hmm. as the third party. But you know who else needs to do that? Like the travel sites and the airlines, they do that too. Mm-hmm. Hey, three ninety nine for a flight to blah blah. Oh, oh my god, three ninety nine, great price. Oh, airline airline fees, oh, taxes. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's an airport a, fee. Oh, yeah. you want to check a bag? Oh, you want to pick your seat? Six twenty five now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can get to like forty percent. At Ben Pope CST, breaking Blackhawks will host the Winter Classic next season at Wrigley Field against the Blues. A source tells the Sun Times. Uh, did we just go through a um, a wormhole? Are we every other year before this? <laughs> like, why is it the six teams that get to yeah. play in the Winter Classic? This is it's American television event, or at least they hope it gets back to being that Chicago really Detroit kind of event. Yeah. Chicago Detroit Boston Pittsburgh those well, are the Seattle only just four got teams. Seattle just got one Blake that's that you the, forget the Golden Knights and Kraken and their legions of fans 
And I think that's part of the problem is they're like, okay, that did nothing across right. America. Let's get back to brands that everybody knows. Or as you say, how about the Lake Louise game? How about the Whistler yeah, game? Yeah. The pretty Canadian backdrop. At Tyler underscore Zickel of the Vancouver Canadians, 19 non-roster invitees to Blue Jay spring training. Tyler tweets, what do 18 of these 19 guys have in common? They all played for the Vancouver Canadians at some point over the last three seasons. Yeah. The road to Toronto runs through the net. Yeah, not only is it a fantastic live entertainment product, not only do they win the majority of their games, in many cases win championships, but they also get the job done in terms of developing players. And I saw that Brent Lavely is going to be back, of course. Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, good and bad, I, I, you know, would have liked to think that Brent was in line for a promotion after the fantastic work he did with the Seas last year, uh, but glad that he continues to get to manage in his hometown um, because he was a big part of that six. That was not the most talented Seas team last year, but, man, were they gritty, and they never gave up. They had incredible culture and attitude. Final one for me. Um, and, boy, I, I think Duffy, Ferraro, and Bob McKenzie should write a travel book for their careers and the weird things that have happened uh-huh. out on the road. Did you see what happened to Duthie? No. Something about Vegas? At TSN James Duthie. Just checked into my Vegas hotel, and there's a bathtub in the room, and it's full. How gross is that? A full um, bathtub. Not put, like, not, so, so I did actually see this. Uh, are there fancy Las Vegas hotels that draw you a bath? I don't think so. I don't think that was it. No? Okay. But this comes on in the wake, and this is the the follow-up tweet. By the way, the last time the Niners and Chiefs met in the Super Bowl in Miami, I checked into my hotel room there, and there was a man sleeping in my bed. So the, anytime the Niners and Chiefs meet oh in goodness. the Super Bowl, Duthie's either got a full bed or a full bathtub. That is... Uh... Very gross, and that's hashtags for today. We're joined now by the head football coach and co-general manager of the British Columbia Alliance. Uh, one week till CFL free agency when we can put pen to paper here and see where see all the player movement. It's Rick Campbell back here with Sakaris and Price. Hi, coach. How we doing? Good. How are you guys? Fantastic. Um, first things first, your big free agent, Matthew Betts, the league's most outstanding Canadian player. Where I saw that he told uh, Moj that he's been in touch with a few teams. He suspects this week will be interesting. What's the latest with you guys and Betts? Yeah, I mean, it's still very much alive. I can't tell you exactly what's going to happen yet. Um, I think this window, this uh, window they have where players can spend a week before you know, next Tuesday of talking to different teams and kind of seeing what their worth is. I think it's actually a healthy thing for some players at the end of the day so they can feel like they know what their what their value is, what their options are, all those things. And so we're definitely going to put uh, our best foot forward to, to try to keep try to keep bets. We'd love to have him. Um, at the same time, I know he's doing his due diligence, and so we're going to have to have a little bit of patience here, but we're, we're going to keep working at it. Are you worried about the uh, pull of his home province at this stage, Rick? Uh, not necessarily. 
I, I think he likes it here. I mean, I can't, you'd have to ask him on that front, but I think he likes the players here. I think he likes the coaches. Um, and I, I think he obviously had a really good he, uh, year here last year. So I'm optimistic. Um, I know, I know things can happen though. So uh, we're going to see how this plays out over the next uh, couple days, but uh, I still, I'm still optimistic he'll be playing in BC. Your Canadian depth was so good last year, and I won't, I won't even say depth. It was, it was front line stuff for the Canadians that you know altered some uh, things that you could do, particularly on defense. But are, are you worried about losing that? Where I mean, you've, you've had a nice run up here. Like this is now well after the end of the season, so you've had time to sort of game plan. Um, but how worried are you about losing some of that richness? Yeah, you always are. So the the frustrating thing is if you're losing coaches or players to other teams, it's very frustrating. But at the same time, if nobody wants any of our players or coaches, that's an even worse thing. So <laughs> I always remind myself of that. So it means you're doing something right and people are trying to take take your people, even though you don't even though you don't like it. The key in this league is to draft. That's number one. You know, Matthew was a Betts was a free agent. So you do dabble in that market but the way to sustain it and make a living is is to draft your own people and uh, another guy that's out there Ben Halatic who we're working to try to keep too again is a draft pick that that we'd like to keep in house so you know those are really the two Canadians um, left that we you know are really making an effort to keep because because uh, we want them around. Rick, is it coming down to bets or Flattuck? Can you afford both of them? I know. I've I've learned this as I get older. One 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 thing good about getting older is you have a little bit more patience, a little more flexibility. Um, doesn't mean we're trying to slow play it. It just means you don't know how this is all going to shake out. I think, like I said, both those guys fit into the category of they're into this window now where teams can talk to them. So they're going to get a really clear understanding of the choices they have, what their value is. And, and at the end of the day, I hope it works out that they come back to us. But when they do come back to us, they can feel like, you know, they've explored the market, they know what's out there and they're going to, they'd be comfortable coming back. So if, we'll see what happens. If you lose one of those guys, uh, do you have to go and find somebody on the open market or do you have in-house depth that you think can jump up in either of those two positions? Cause two pretty critical positions. Yeah, no, we we're fortunate in that we we do have some depth. You know, another example at linebackers, you know, Bola Combos here, um, Ryder Varga again, another draft pick that was year one last year. That's going to be a good football player in this league. So you hope you can uh, you know help cushion the blow if you do lose someone. Another option on defense is to go to Americans on, at the end. We have some new guys coming in that were we're very excited about that we think can be good. So that's all part of the game of with the ratio of, of where the seven Canadians are starting. So, but uh, obviously uh, number one, we'd love to have both those guys back. Okay. So let me ask you this way, uh, Rick cap wise, because you know, roughly what Plattick and bets are going to come in at. Can you afford them both cap wise and still feel good about we where can you try are? To find a way. So our, yeah. That's part of our job is to look out for the BC Lions football team. <laughs> so mm -hmm. we, if you overpay, if you overpay at a position, it obviously has ramifications on other spots. So we're definitely a strength and numbers operation. Um, we want these guys to get as paid as much as they can, but at the same time, we want to look out for the team and making sure, um, you know, that we have good chemistry, uh, all, all those things. So um, yes, could we, could we make it work? I think we can at certain numbers, and that's to be determined on whether those numbers fit or if those guys can go 
you know, someone else is going to go pay him a whole bunch of money. Um, you know, that's, that remains to be seen over the next couple of days. If you lost bets, would that necessitate the ratio change to the two American defensive ends? Um, probably, you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see how that goes. Um, but at least we'd have to be open to it. Right. You know, we're, we're lucky. We got Menards coming back. Um, Daniel Joseph's another first round pick that's from a few years ago. That's a Canadian kid from NC state that's coming back. So you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't make those declarations. Obviously you have to plan sure. for it, but, uh, I think we have some options, whether that be Canadian or American at the end. I know he's a bigger boy. You see Joseph as an end, not a tackle in this to league. To be, be determined. He's, he's done both. Um, so, so we'll see Francis Bemi, our draft pick last year kind of fits that category of you played the end in college, but he could play inside. And again, another important draft pick for us because it gives us some depth and some and some options. Yeah. If you lost Hladek, could you go with the two Canadian linebackers? Would you feel comfortable with Varga and Lacombo? Sure. Yeah, we've we've uh, we've done that. We we think Varga's gonna be a really good player. You obviously know what Bo is, but I think also we got Josh Woods coming back who's American, but we really like him too. So we want to keep that those options open of uh not declaring necessarily who those Canadian starters are. We also think Adrian Green, the defensive back, is at a stage where he could start. So again, it gives you, as you can see, is the picture's a moving picture where we have some some different options to do on defense where um, where we could maybe start one Canadian linebacker and one American. Uh, we could go American at the end. There are, there are some options there. Um, so we'll see how it all plays yeah. out. I remember Green getting thrown in the fire late in that game yeah. uh, prior, uh, what, within an hour or so uh, pregame, whatever it was, and, and looked pretty good because they tested him. Did you make any um, guarantees to Woods then about uh, playtime starting? Because well, He's going to have every opportunity to come in here and be the starter. We didn't we didn't make a promise, but he know, he knows that too. He's a guy that's going to come in and compete. And, you know, if he, if he plays the way he's capable of playing, it's going to be hard not to, to play him, play him a lot. So, We'll see. We'll see how that all plays out. But that that option is yeah. definitely open to playing one American at linebacker. Another rich uh, position for you guys last year was your receiving core. It was just spectacular. Uh, it's going to have a little bit of a change to it. But are you any worse? Is it is it just down to like the sixth and seventh guy maybe that is is uh, is going to take a hit? What do you think of the the top four or five guys that you can throw out there? Well, it was big to get Alex Hollins back because you know he's a guy that's on the rise and. Um, and going to continue to get better. Having Katoy back is big. Justin McKinnis, we saw what he could do last mm -hmm. year. So, so that's a big piece of the puzzle, I think. And then Hatcher's here working out um, and, you know, extended his contract. He's not going to be ready to start the year, but we fully anticipate him playing this year. So that's going to be a big part of it. There's no question we're going to need an American guy to step in and, and, and be a player. And we think there's a couple guys that, that we really like our personnel department likes. And I think it's easier to make that happen when they're surrounded by a veteran quarterback, like VA, um, that group of receivers I just talked about, it's easier to insert a new guy in with that, with that group. But I, we, you haven't, si you haven't mm -hmm. signed these Americans yet. You just got your eye on them. Maybe. No, we've guys that signed oh, okay. that, that, that were, that are coming to camp that we've already signed that, People aren't going to know who they are right now, but you're going to know them. It's like Alex Hollins. No one knew who he was two years ago. So mm -hmm. that's part of having a good personnel department is that you're finding the next guy that 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 comes in. And, uh, you know, those guys are going to have every opportunity to earn a spot with Keon, you know, not being ready to start the season. 
And boy, uh, Ryan Regmaiden does such a great job for you guys there. I mean, help build that Winnipeg team that has turned, well, not dynastic, close to it. And then all the American guys that we've seen with your operation. And, and Rick, you've re-signed, as you mentioned, Hollins, Katoy, um, Woods, uh, Hatcher, Sales. I mean, what do you think it says about your operation that so many in-house guys re-signed? And in some yeah. cases, really quickly here, didn't even want to. Yeah waited out to free agency yeah we're trying to make this a good place to play football so one that we they know they have a chance to win and two that they it's a good building to walk into and a good place to work so uh, money obviously speaks very loudly but i think also just culture and the and and how you feel about playing here i know i know our guys have are excited the last two years you know have been good years but not where we wanted to be we got the Grey Cup in Vancouver. There's a lot of things to be excited about. And that was job number one in free agency was to sign as many of our guys as we could. We think we're down to about two or three. Um, Jalen Edwards Cooper, the DB, Ben, um, Matthew Betts, just off the top of my head, are the the kind of the guys lingering out there. But, you know, if we can get those guys signed, that's going to be pretty good with the amount of guys we were able to retain. What um, What are you in the market for? With other teams, free agents. QB, we're we're looking at QBs just for a guy with experience. So, um, you know, with losing Dane, retiring Dane Evans. So that's, we're definitely going to be talking to people and we have talked to people. So there could be some options there. We'll see how that is. It's as, as we know in the CFL, you always need two quarterbacks to get it done. It's rare that you go through a season with the same guy starting every single game. So We'll definitely explore that avenue. Obviously, VA is the guy, but similar to Dane last year's to be able to bring in a guy that's got some some CFL experience and and go from there. And then we're looking at running backs, too. Um, we're excited about Mizell coming back, and we think he's going to get better because he you know, was just his first year in the CFL. But we're we're looking we're looking at those options, too. And so those are those are two spots where I'd, I'd be surprised if we don't end up with someone. We're not committed to it, but. We'll see how that plays out. You feel good about your offensive line, Coach? Yeah, I think it was good to get Neville back. Was another big free agency signing. Again, Canadian gives us options on the ratio. Um, I think we have a chance to get better. He did a great job. He stepped in late in the season and and started and um, and and did a good job for us. And then uh, our American tackles are really good. Perkins and Broxton have been really good players and. Um, you know, stepped into those roles as full-time guys now, and they'll be back. So um, we're hoping we improve there. And we think, um, again, with the the running game and, and a running back, we'll see how that plays out too. Yeah, probably uh, positional strength of the draft too, the, the offensive line group um, this year. Um, lastly, Rick, there's a uh, big, big football game on Sunday, you may have heard. Do you have a uh, rooting yeah. interest in the Super Bowl? I don't know if I have a rooting interest. Um, impressed with both teams. Um, I can't I, I can't say I have a, a dog in the fight, so to speak. Okay. Maybe you'll cheer for the 49ers. I'm a West Coast guy. So mm-hmm. just, with, uh, just with geography on that. Uh, um, but, man, it's in, it was impressive watching Mahomes and the Chiefs last, last week. I was impressed with that, going to Baltimore and, and getting it done that way. So... Um, I don't know. What are you guys thinking? You guys? Well, got- I just asked you the question, Coach, because I, I just figure in the Campbell football family there may be a connection to either of right, these teams, yes. the Web in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah or, it's, or it, is, it is. It is remarkable the small world of coaching and players and just everything how everything's inter 
interconnected. But my my dad was actually drafted by the 49ers. There you now. go. Ah, there you go. See, That's I what we're looking for. Yes. I knew there was so, uh, something. So there you go. And he's he's a he's a Bay Area guy. So right. I knew he was a California guy. Um, yeah. Massive, uh, massive stuff there, Rick. Thank well, you. For- one, one other question for before you go. Uh, big news this week with uh, the uh, FIFA World Cup announcement of, of how much uh, BC Place is going to get used. Have you yeah. guys heard any tidbits yet about grass going down in the stadium and, and how that affects your your seasons in 25 or 26? I don't know this for sure, but we're assuming we're going to be playing on grass that that year. Not twenty six, but but twenty five yeah. two. Do you think, or or do you think they'll I don't put it think in? So I, you know? I think yeah, I, I yeah, I don't know this for sure, but I think yeah. the idea is it's not going to be long term grass. I think it's just too hard to grow in there with right. the and everything. Yeah, I think it's going to be in there for several months. But um, they've but we they we were practicing down there late in the season and they had a group of at least 50 people come through fifa doing a tour of everything locker rooms you know the whole the whole thing so um yeah i'm hoping it's a good thing for bc place as far as any upgrades or anything else i mean it's already a great place to play but anything else but that'll be interesting for you guys to all of a sudden be playing on grass under the dome yeah that could be good it's obviously going to be a good field if they're playing world cup games in there so that's right yeah um, we, we could end up seeing us on grass yeah so there you go coach you got two years to prepare for the two tight end two running back ground game on grass for the bc lions <laughs> there, there you go uh thanks for the time rick best of luck here in free agency we'll catch up soon all right have a good one Care some price from Wall Center presentation Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. Joe Buck says he doesn't want to be at Super Bowl because it's in Vegas. It's going to be messy. And he suspects that there will be an episode during Super Bowl week. One that he says, quote, won't stay in Vegas. Now, we have seen episodes at the Super Bowl before. Who can forget Eugene Robinson trolling Miami for uh, working girls mm. once upon a time? Well, we've already had an NFL player bitten by a coyote. Uh, Barrett Robbins, remember, of the Raiders? Mm. Mm. Yes. Uh, what's the coyote story there? I didn't see a name of the player, but a coyote attacked an NFL player that was mm-hmm. in town. Like, not an act, not a 49er or a chief. I mean, as we sit here and record this through uh, near midday Tuesday, it's relatively tame so far. I yeah. didn't see anything that sort of jumped out beyond the normal uh, for media day. In fact, I think the thing that's getting the most traction might be that Travis Kelsey has heard some of Taylor Swift's new album, which she announced at the Grammys and said it's fantastic, only because, you know, anytime uh, Taylor Swift's name is uttered, it trends. So there's that. Uh, there are storylines Around the Super Bowl, though, not involving necessarily the two teams, but NFL teams. So a couple of weeks ago, there was a report out of Los Angeles that Caleb Williams, the Heisman Trophy winner, the would-be first overall pick in the draft, did not want to go to the Chicago Bears and wanted to, much like Eli Manning, John Elway, be a little more selective. Mm Mm-hmm as the first overall pick. Then Colin Coward reported that Caleb Williams camp doesn't like Chicago, doesn't want to be there. 
Then there was this from Adam Schefter. Let the speculation begin. Cliff Kingsbury coached Caleb Williams last season. That was at USC. Williams was a standout QB at Gonzaga High School in Washington, D.C. The commanders currently hold the number two overall pick and are in striking distance of number one and Chicago. And then there was this play. Kingsbury was all set to be the offensive coordinator with the Raiders and Antonio Pierce and backed out at the last minute. It's now reported that Magic Johnson was instrumental in that as part of the new ownership group of the Commanders franchise and convincing Kingsbury to come to to the Commanders. So, you know, could the Bears trade the first overall pick two years in a row? I suppose it's possible, particularly if Caleb Williams is going to be difficult or doesn't want to be there. So there's that playing out right now as a subtext to the NFL offseason. It's uh, it's a sad state of affairs when players are like you expect players to say I don't want to play in Minnesota I don't want to play in Indianapolis maybe well, something like that just because of the city and the metro life it's freaking Chicago well and as a Bears fan um, like the Crest has seen better days certainly it sure has and and like it's just sort of been kind of a cheap and in some cases, dysfunctional franchise over yeah, here. Yeah. The, the problem the Bears have is that the family that owns them, the McCaskey family, pretty much the entirety of its wealth is tied up in the organization. Like, this isn't like Arthur Blank owning Home Depot or Woody Johnson owning Johnson & Johnson, that they have this massive core business and they, by the way, bought a bought uh, an NFL team for, team fun. for several yeah. billion dollars. So there's that. Then something strange is happening in the city of Seattle. You'll remember that 48, 72-hour period last month when the three wise men of football coaching in the 21st century, with apologies to Andy Reid, Pete Carroll let go in Seattle, Bill Belichick let go in New England, and Nick Saban retiring at Alabama, Pete Carroll's son is going to be the offensive coordinator at the University of Washington. Bill Belichick's son, Steve, is leaving the Patriots to go there to be the defensive coordinator. And then Jim Harbaugh's son, Jay, who everybody suspected would join him with the L.A. Chargers, now going to go to Seattle to be their special teams coordinators. So the the sons of the legacies that will be going on. and, And with Carol and Belichick both out, I would suspect you're going to see them at Husky Stadium a fair bit this fall, also supporting their sons. Also with them out, guess what? There's going to be some knowledge filtered down to the sons because they can. Oh, yeah. They're not they have time to sit there and pre-scout the opponents. But there's no, inappro- no exactly inappropriate inappropriate about it. Dad, what do you think of Bubba Bush? Should we God. do the Bubba Bush? Here's what I'd say. I really hope we see Carolyn Belichick coaching again in the NFL. Like, I'm not done watching these guys and listening to these guys. And in Belichick's um, case, you saw he took out a full-page ad in the Boston Globe thanking fans and stuff like that. Now, a little odd that it happens like three to four weeks later. Many believe this is part of a image rehabilitation mm. that Bill now has to go through, that he's got an image problem around the league simply because he just doesn't cooperate with about just about anything. Is this Babcockian? Uh, a little bit. 
little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I would hope he's not asking to go through players' phones. No, no, not. I think he's level. wiser than that. But actually. it's uh, is it, is it the end of the old school here? Honestly, um, and there's also rumors that Andy Reid may retire. Like that's kind of been that came out a little while ago. That yeah. hey, don't be surprised if Andy Reid is coaching his final. What season. a change, huh? Like it's mm-hmm. all these guys that we sort of in the early parts of our career were were I'm not covering, but you know what I mean. Um, you know, like they're all gone now. Well, and and Blake, if it does come to pass with Reid, twenty three, twenty four, like you take a look at. The, the four football coaches, Babcock, as you say, Tony LaRusso was just run out of the White Sox, right? Yeah. Like, just forget yeah. about it. You're, you're absolutely right. Like, the old school coach, you know, the L scream, get in your face, sarcastic, you know, to the point of bringing a player to tears. Nick Saban, remember with the Dolphins? Just, guy broke down and started crying. He yeah. Take that sort of coaching behavior. Uh, not going to be accepted anymore, and the last of the devotees of that. Now, Saban and some others did adapt, give them credit. Now it's about that, the family. That's going to be that. Yeah, now it's about yeah, the family. It's about the family. Yeah. Uh, Harbaugh was quick on that because I think Harbaugh could very easily have been. Totally. He that, hit the fork in the road. Exactly, and, and he realized, wait a second, got to yeah. love him up. i got to create a family here. Let's get to poll question results from Monday. We asked you. Uh, Demko and Miller v. Swayman at the All-Star Game. Has that reignited Connects Bruins rivalry? Yes or no, the people said. They said no. Correct. Percentage? 68. 69. Very good. Whoa. Kyle says no. It's just another example that shows how soft and whiny Boston sports fans always are. <laughs> Saw a lot of that. Uh, Trevor, it was funny, but I'm sick of talking about the Bruins in any capacity. Let's move on. Well, Trevor, Canucks and Bruins finish atop the East and West. I got news for you. And then Ben reignited. It never died. And we saw a bunch of that in the comments as well. There are still people today who hate on the Bruins and will until Brad Marchand's last game. I think that's it. As soon as Marchand leaves, I think the umbilical cord, if you will, attached to the Bruins is officially over. But he's still there, and he'll be ready to annoy the Canucks in a couple of days. Mass holes live forever. Yes. But they haven't aggrieved the Canucks fan, you know, once Marchand retires. But, yes, uh, ask athletes that have played in Boston, even for Boston, Mm -hmm. uh, particularly in the outfield in Fenway, uh, what that experience is like. It's uh, not kind. Go back to Bill Russell. Yeah, that too. Errors and omissions from yesterday's program and beyond. Um, Mikhail Kingsbury. The Canadian Mm -hmm. mogul skier. Whatever he may have tweeted about the most World Cup victories, uh, he does trail one other male athlete, and that is Ole Einar Bjorndalen, the legendary Norwegian biathlete who has 95 World Cup victories to 87. For Mikhail Kingsbury. He, his words and his tweet are, I am now the men, uh, spelling error, <laughs> with the most wins in FIS history. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think cross country falls under FIS. Uh, I believe it does. Oh, or at least it does. It does, yeah, it does uh, now, yeah. yeah. Yeah, cross country. Yeah. And be, that may be the caveat here, that at one point it didn't, and now we've retroactively create, um, 
and now we've retroactively uh, recognized all the biathlon and cross country over the years. But yes, he trails one other male athlete. He trails a number of female athletes, actually, in a FIS World Cup victories. We had a question, and it shows you how well the um, passing competition went over at the NHL All-Star Skills Competition. Elias Patterson did win the passing challenge. Yeah, in, in his Barca lounger. Yeah. Yeah. And there are, it is still groups of four at the 2026 World Cup. I had that mistaken for a moment because they, of course, were going to groups of three at one point. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder to subscribe to us, Connects Conversation, Rinkwide Vancouver, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on social. That's Insta, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. Of course, we're live daily on YouTube at 1130 a.m. And, of course, support those community sponsors. You hear us talking about. Keep it local.